pastors Michael and Brenda Brunzo welcome you and thank you for listening to the following message. This message was recorded during a regular service at Faith Fellowship Church. The Bible tells us in Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So we believe this message will encourage and strengthen you in your daily walk of faith. God bless you as you listen.
Hallelujah. Children, you're dismissed. Yeah. How about you? Youth, you're dismissed. <coughs> Praise the Lord. Look at all the happy little children marching off to Children's Church. <laughs> Hallelujah. No wonder Jesus said that we need to be like little children. Full of joy, happy, believing, yes. gullible. Yes. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Praise the Lord. All right, if you uh, have your Bibles with you, turn to James, the third chapter. I want to talk to you this morning about controlling your tongue, controlling your life. If you can control your tongue, you can control your life. Yes. In James chapter 3, verses 2 through 4, in the King James, it says, For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man, and able also to bridle the whole body. Verse 2 in the Living Bible says, If anyone can control his tongue, it proves that he has perfect control over himself in every other way. Control your tongue, control your life. Verse 3, Behold, we put bits in the horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold also the ships, which though they be so great and are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm or rudder, whithersoever the governor or the pilot or the captain wants it to go. So James likens the tongue to a bridle in a horse's mouth, or the rudder of a ship. On a bridle, for example, if you pull left, the horse goes left. If you pull right, the horse goes right. If you pull them both back at the same time, the, the, the horse will either slow down or stop. Why? The bridle is controlling that horse. And you're controlling the bridle. You have no chance against a big horse like that, but that bridle is designed to control that big horse. Amen? And then in the same manner, when the captain of a ship turns the wheel, I don't know, there's cables and all this other stuff that goes back to the rear of the ship, and then at the bottom of the ship, all the way in the rear, there's a rudder. It's probably a pretty big rudder, but in, in comparison to the size of the ship, it's very small in comparison. But that wheel turns that rudder, and that ship responds no matter how fierce the winds are, how strong the winds are, that ship will respond, and it will turn in whatever direction that the captain wants it to go. That's what James is telling us here. But why would James use this analogy when he talks about the tongue? I mean, what's the tongue have to do with a bridle on a horse or a rudder on a ship? It's easy to understand when you realize what they all have in common. All three of them control something. The bridle controls the horse, the rudder controls the ship, the tongue controls you. Amen. Amen. You say, well, my tongue don't control me. Yes, it does. I'm going to prove it to you. But as small as they are, they can change the direction of a big 1,500-pound horse or an enormously large ship even though it's being driven by strong winds. That little rudder can change the direction of it. You know, I was looking for examples, and I was reading about the Boeing 777S. It's a gigantic aircraft. It holds 850 passengers, not counting the crew or the uh, baggage and all, and the fuel and stuff. Tremendous amount of weight. Giant ship. And yet that thing takes off and lands and turns in the air left or right based on a little rudder or a flap. These things that control giant things. But you know what's even more powerful and harder to turn than a powerful horse or a big shift or a giant aircraft like that? You. Your hard head is harder to change directions on than any one of these three big things. And that's why God made our tongues 
more powerful than all of those things. As powerful as those things are and the control that they exercise over the big machines that they're attached to, Paul is telling us, or James is telling us that the tongue, as little as it is, can change the direction of somebody's life. How? By speaking the right things. In James chapter 3, verses 5 through 10, in the Amplified Classic, it says, Even so, the tongue is a little member, just a little member, and it can boast of great things. See how much water, how great a forest, a tiny spark can set ablaze. Just one little mass can burn down an entire forest of thousands and thousands of acres. And then he says, and the tongue is a fire. He didn't say it's like a fire. He said the tongue is a fire. The tongue is a world of wickedness set among our members, contaminating and depraving the whole body and setting on fire the wheel of birth or the cycle of man's nature, being itself ignited by hell or Gehenna. That little tongue. For every kind of beast and bird of reptile and sea animal can be tamed and has been tamed by human genius and nature. Not only that, but because God gave us authority over these things. We can tame them. But the human tongue can be tamed by no man. It is a restless, undisciplined, irreconcilable, evil, full of deadly poison. That little tongue in your mouth. With it we bless the Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who are made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come forth blessing and cursing. And then he says, these things, my brethren, ought not to be so. You shouldn't have blessing and cursing coming out of the same mouth. And then James goes on, we didn't read it, but he goes on to say that can bitter water or poisonous water and sweet water come from the same spigot? No. It's either going to be poison or it's going to be sweet. It's either going to be good water or it's going to be poisonous water. But I want to take us to this misnomer here where people don't believe that the tongue can be tamed. Because it says right here, no man can tame the tongue. But this is not talking about taming. This is not talking about taming your tongue. It's talking about taming someone else's tongue. You can't tame my tongue. You can't tell me what to say. Well, you can tell me what to say. But you can't make me say anything. I can't tame your tongue. I can't make you say anything. But I can tame my own tongue, and you can tame your tongue. It's your responsibility. Amen? Amen? God didn't give us any member of this body that we can't control. It's, it's possible to tame your own tongue. You're going to need the help of the Word and the help of the Holy Ghost because your tongue doesn't really know the right things to say all the time. Amen? Amen. And so we need to renew our mind on the Word and then train our tongue to speak in line with the Word of God. You can't go wrong speaking the Word of God. The first part of verse 8 says this. But the human tongue, and remember we're talking about someone else's, can be tamed by no man. In other words, no man can tame some other man's tongue. Uh, it's no different than any other part of the body, though. This hand is mine. These feet are mine. This mind belongs to me. Therefore, I'm responsible for it. I'm responsible for what this hand does. I'm responsible for where these feet take me. I'm responsible for what these eyes look at. I'm responsible for what I allow into these ears. And I'm responsible for what I think about and the imaginations that I have. That's my responsibility. Why would I be responsible for all those things and not be responsible for my tongue? No, the tongue can be tamed. We need to work on it every single day. I can't control the things I say. I can't control my yes. tongue. Yes. You don't have to say what you said. And I know there's a lot of times you'd like to get back what you said, but it's too late. It done got out there. Amen? Amen. 
I know when to hold my tongue. You ain't look fat in this, honey. <laughs> you look beautiful, honey. Now, you know when to hold it and when to let it loose, right? So God's not going to hold us accountable for our tongue and the things we say if we have no control over it. Ephesians 4.29 says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth except that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace to the hearer. In other words, corruptible things shouldn't be coming out of your mouth. It should be grace. Words of grace should be coming out of your mouth. Now, why would he tell us that if we don't have any control over our tongue? We can control what comes out of our mouth. In James 3, 2, in the Living Bible, it says, If anyone can control his tongue, it proves that he has perfect control over himself in every other way. That's why I got that title. You know, control your tongue, control your life. Control your tongue, control your body, control your life. So he wouldn't tell us to control our tongue if we couldn't. He wouldn't tell us to say things that we, if we couldn't say them or hold things back that we couldn't hold back. He's telling us if we can control our tongue, we can control ourselves in every other way. And as long as our tongue is out of control, our life is going to be out of control as well. Amen. Don't raise your hands or anything. Just keep looking straight ahead. And nobody know I'm talking about you. How many times has somebody let their tongue loose and lost their job? How many times has somebody let their tongue loose and destroyed a relationship? And you didn't have to lose your job. You didn't have to destroy that relationship. But you couldn't hold that little member called the tongue. And it got you in trouble. It controls your life. But no, no matter how powerful a force is that's coming against you, you can still change direction. Remember James said, even though fierce winds come against that ship, we can still turn. And I don't care how big it is or how hard the storms of life are blowing against you or how far you've been blown off course, you can still change directions, get back on course and get your life back under control. It's never too late. Just like that big ship. If you get off course and start heading in the wrong direction, he turns the wheel, that turns the rudder, that turns the ship, and he tries to get it back on course. But that big ship doesn't turn instantly. And the bigger it is, the longer it takes to turn. But you got to know, as soon as you turn that wheel, it starts to turn. A little at a time, it starts to turn. So we're not going to turn our life around instantly either. But if we speak the right words, make the right confessions with our tongue, and then hold it, it will turn your life around the same manner that it turns that ship or turns that horse. You know how they get a horse to run in circles, turn in circles? They pull to whatever side they want them to turn, and they hold it. And he keeps running in that circle until you release it. Then he'll straighten out. And that's the way it is with the ship. If you want it to turn left, you turn the wheel, you got to hold it until it turns, until it gets in the direction you want it to go. Same with that big airship. You know, you turn that, that rudder uh, turns, and I don't know which way it goes, just to the left, and it makes the ship go right or vice versa. I don't know. But, but anyway, you turn that rudder. This ship don't make a left turn. It turns gradually. It takes its time, but it does turn. That's the way it is when you start confessing the right things. Don't expect instant results, but expect results. Now I want to read James 3, 1 and 2 in the New English translation. I'm trying to prove to you different ways that we can control our tongues. You young married couples better pay close attention to that. <laughs> I save you a lot of grief in the future. For we all stumble in many ways. If someone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect individual, able to control the entire body as well. I don't know anybody that has never stumbled in what they said. I don't know anybody that's never said anything wrong. 
The Amplified says it this way. It says, he is able to control his whole body and to curb his entire nature. Curb his entire by what he's saying, by what he says. See, your words are connected to a lot more than just your tongue. He's telling us when we say wrong things, it's not because our tongue is untamable. He called it a stumble. See, we know how to walk. We're in control of our feet, but every once in a while you hit a rock and you'll stumble. That don't mean you don't have control of your feet, and it doesn't mean you don't know how to walk. You stumble. You regain your balance and you start walking again. Amen? It's the same with the tongue. You stumble by something you said that was wrong. You correct it and you start walking again. So there's no doubt the, the tongue can give direction to our lives, and there's no doubt that we're in control of it. But let me show you how it works. As you know, I got a bad doctor's report. He runs some tests, and based on the results of the test, he determined that I had a terminal disease. Now, I didn't deny the doctor's report. I just decided to believe a different report, Amen. a better report. The prophet Isaiah said in Isaiah 53, who has believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? See, I knew that the arm of the Lord is revealed to the one that believes the report. So what if I didn't believe the report? His arm is not going to be revealed to me. I had to believe Isaiah's report. And then Isaiah gives the report. He says, surely he, Jesus, hath borne our pains and carried our sicknesses. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. That's the report. Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? The one who believes the report. And then he gives a report. This is the report that I have to believe. I can't ignore the doctor's report, though. The doctor reported a fact based on everything that he had tested me for and what the test results revealed. He's just reporting the facts, but Isaiah is reporting the truth. And there's a big difference between a fact and the truth. So whose report am I going to believe? I'm going to believe the report that's true because it trumps and overrides the other report, which is factual, but I'm not going to accept it as truth. I'm not going to receive that into my heart as truth. Now, I understand it's a fact. I listened to the doctor. I agreed to the test because I wanted to know what was going on. And so when he tells me what's going on, I don't deny it and say, no, 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 it can't be right in Jesus' name. No, the doctor's telling me what he found, but that's not the report I choose to believe in. I have a higher report, a better report. Amen. So, rather than me confess what the doctor said all the time, I started confessing Isaiah's report by saying, Jesus bore my pains and sicknesses, and by his stripes I am healed. Yes. That's my confession, that's my report, and I'm sticking to it. So I didn't keep confessing the bad report. I kept confessing the good report. I didn't deny the facts, but I accepted only the truth report. And the truth is, he bore my pain and my sickness, and by his stripes, I'm healed. Yes. And when I started that confession, you know what I did? I started turning that shit. It didn't turn overnight. It took months, but eventually it turned all the way around and change the direction of my life. Amen? I mean, my life was headed towards, based on the facts, towards sickness and death. But my confession of what I began to speak started turning that around, and I started heading towards the land of healing until I landed on the shores of healing. Amen? Amen. It takes a little time to come about, but it will come about. Once you speak it, you got to hold it. 
can't change your confession because you feel a pain or you have a symptom. Hold that will. Yes. Hold that confession. Yes. Don't let it change for anything. I changed the direction of my body and my body was headed in a bad direction. I changed that direction. I changed the direction of my life with my tongue, with the things that I believed and the things that I said. In 2 Corinthians 4.13, it says, We having the same spirit of faith. What spirit of faith? The same spirit of faith that... Uh, David had when he killed Goliath the same spirit of faith Daniel had in the lion's den, the same spirit of faith that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had in the fiery furnace. That same spirit of faith, I have it. That same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in me. Amen. That spirit of faith, it was no different for them than it is for us. He said we have the same spirit of faith. But how does it work? He said here, we having the same spirit of faith according as it is written. I believed and therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak. Yes. That's the spirit of faith. Believing something and speaking it. Same spirit of faith. That's what got David out of trouble as he's approaching Goliath. He's Confessing what he's going to do to Goliath. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego go into that fiery furnace, confessing that their God shall deliver him them and will deliver them. Amen. They're believing and they're confessing. That's the spirit of faith. The Apostle Paul, everything he did was with the spirit of faith, believing and confessing. And he's teaching us the same thing Jesus taught us in Mark eleven twenty three. He said, For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he says shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. That's the spirit of faith. He believes and he speaks. It's not complicated, it's simple. Believe in your heart, speak with your mouth, and you are using the spirit of faith. So, what should we do? Speak. Paul preached the word of faith message everywhere he went. When Paul wanted to get someone saved, what did he tell them? He taught them the word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. Romans chapter 10, verses 8. And, and he says, that is the word of faith which we preach. And in verse 9, he said, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead... Thou shalt be saved. That's the spirit of faith. Yes. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Yes. That's the spirit of faith. Believing and speaking. So according to verse 10, you release faith out of your heart through the confession of your mouth. Your heart, I've used this analogy. I don't know if there's a better one or not, but I like this one. Your heart is like the chamber of a gun. It holds a bullet. Your faith is the bullet. Your tongue is the trigger. Your mouth is the barrel that that bullet comes out of. So your tongue is the trigger for your faith. If our faith was a bullet in a gun, your tongue would be the trigger that fires it. So you, you got to have both. You can't just believe and not speak. You have to have both. You have to believe in your heart. And say with your mouth. And you produce the spirit of faith. This is what Jesus told us in Mark eleven twenty three. I mean, what else does someone have to do to get saved? After what Paul told them in, in, in uh, Romans chapter 10, verses 8 through 12. After he told them that, uh, you can't just think, that, well, I, I have to run around the church to get saved. Or I have to get circumcised. I have to get baptized. I have to cut my hair. I have to quit. Wearing short clothes. I have to start wearing longer dresses. I have to start doing this, doing all that. I have to give all my money to the church. And I have to sacrifice a goat. No, Paul didn't say any of that. He said, believe in your heart. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and thou shalt be saved. Why do we complicate it? There's a few goats I'd like to sacrifice, but... 
You don't have to. It's, salvation is simple. God simplified it. Jesus did all the work. He took the uh, complexity out of it. Just believe in your heart, which is what faith is and where faith dwells. And then release that faith with your tongue. And when you do, you get what you say. In this case, people were getting saved because of what they said. But you can get healed by what you said. You can prosper by what you, what you say. You can be delivered by what you say. You can change the course of your life by what you say. Our words are more important than we think. Remember, God released his faith the same way. He spoke, and then he saw. Let there be light, and there was light. Whatever God wanted, he spoke, and he saw. And God has spoken things in the past that haven't come to light yet for centuries. But he turned the wheel, and it started turning then. It might have been hundreds of years, but it's still turning, and it will eventually be turned into the right direction. But in the meantime, he didn't sweat it. He didn't struggle with what he said and what he believed. He is the spirit of faith. If, if he says something he believed, it's going to happen. I don't care what it is. That's why the Bible says God cannot lie. Because if he says it, it's going to come to pass. It's going to become the truth. James chapter 1 verse 19 through 21 in the New Living Translation. He says, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save your soul. What does? The words. They have the power to save your soul. He's telling us be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. So what does that mean? That means that we must have control over our ears, our mouth, and our emotions or he wouldn't tell us to control them. You know, anger is running rampant in the world today. And I'm ashamed to even say it, but I struggle with it myself at times. Sometimes you just get so frustrated at the things that's going on. And if you ain't, that's why I don't watch the news uh, like I used to. I don't pay attention to all that stuff because it would frustrate me, make me angry. And then I'd have to deal with that emotion. So I try to stay away from it. But, I, but I'm telling you now, uh, somebody cuts you off in traffic. Somebody goes too slow in front of you. Somebody goes... Uh, too fast behind you. I mean, there's all kinds of opportunities for you to lose your emotions and get angry. There's opportunities for you to get jealous and envious. There's all kinds of opportunities. The devil keeps presenting us with them. But we have control over them. And in the same sentence, he's saying that we have control over uh, what we say as well. James talks about being a doer of the word. And then in verse 26, he says, if anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, he deceives, deludes, and fools his own heart. You know, you can fool your own heart. You can deceive your own heart. And he says, this one's religion, this person's religion is useless. This is why we have to have control of our tongue. And always speak the truth because your heart will believe anything that you tell it. Paul said, with the heart, man believes. I don't care what it is. He said, with the heart, man believes unto righteousness. But with the heart, man can believe unto unrighteousness. You can believe bad things. You can have faith in bad things. And when you speak them... You're going to put things into motion that you wish you didn't put into motion. Sometimes you can't help the thoughts that come into your head. Sometimes you can't help some of the things that get into your heart. But you've got to be able to purge them out when you know they don't belong there. 
And if you don't know what the word of God, you don't know what belongs in your heart and what doesn't half the time. But here's where the problem arises with the heart man believes is when you tell your heart two different things. Yeah. One is true and the other is not. One, one's the truth and one's a lie. In other words, you deceive your own heart by lying to it or telling it something that you didn't mean to say. Your heart doesn't know. Your heart doesn't know the difference. So you can't be a liar and a person of faith at the same time. It's impossible to do both. So you, you, you can't just go around lying and throwing your words around like they're worthless or useless and you don't pay, uh, place any significance or importance on your words because uh, you're going to confuse your heart. You're going to delude your heart. You're going to fool your heart into believing things that aren't true and not believing things that are true. Your heart is your believer. It's where your faith is produced, and it believes anything that you tell it. That's why we have to be careful with little children. Tell them that they're worthy of things. Don't put bad things in their little hearts because they'll believe it. And if they believe it and they start speaking what you've been telling them, they're going to cause it to happen in their lives. Their life is going to go in that direction. You can't tell your heart a lie and talk trash all the time and, and uh, deceive it, and then all of a sudden you want to get serious about something. Thank God my heart was being developed for years before I got that bad doctor's report. And, and my heart already knew that by his stripes we are healed. And my heart already knew the truth. My heart was not deceived concerning that. But what if I was uh, uh, believing doctor's reports all my life and thinking that, oh, my God, my dad had cancer and my mom had heart failure and this one had that, so I'm probably going to have it too. And all of a sudden, I do have a heart problem. Now I tell my heart by my stripes, by his stripes, you're healed. My heart said, wait a minute, you've been telling me you been sick all these years. You've been telling me that you're afraid of getting cancer and heart trouble and all of this stuff all these years. And now you're trying to tell me by his stripes you're healed. I'm deceived. I don't know what to believe. But my heart wasn't deceived. I just began to confess what I had already believed. So I have, as they say, I was one up on it. Amen. See, you can't be talking trash all the time, and then when you get a bad report, say, all right, now I'm going to get serious. I'm going to say, by his stripes, I'm healed, because you're going to deceive your own heart. Your heart won't know what to believe. Your heart doesn't know if you're telling the truth or lying. Your heart won't know what to believe. You tell your heart what to believe, and that's where you produce your faith. But here's the problem. If you can't have confidence in your own words, then you've deceived your own heart. You can't treat words like they're not important and throw them around lightly and say all kinds of stupid things that you don't mean or believe and then expect to be a person of faith. It doesn't work that way. If you want your words to be powerful and life-changing, then you have to take them more seriously yourself. You have to believe and understand that your words have power. Proverbs says the, the power of life and death is in the tongue. That's pretty powerful, isn't it? Your tongue can determine life and death. And, and you know, if we believed what we said all the time, then we would be more selective about what we said. And the more selective you are with your words, the more effective you'll be with your faith. Hallelujah. Everything I got here is important, but I know I'm not going to get it all done. So, Anyway, if your words seem like they don't have much power in your life, it might be because... You know you don't mean what you're saying. 
or you don't believe what you're saying. Uh, that's why when we're reading the Bible, we have to meditate on it sometimes because sometimes there's things in the Bible that are hard to believe. But you got to remember, it's the truth. But you've been taught all your life something else. And now you have to not only overcome what you've been taught is wrong, but you have to start believing what is right. And you'll struggle with that for a little while. But you got to make up your mind right now that when you read the word of God, that's going to be the truth. And you will never say, I know what the Bible says, but I know what the Bible says and it's true, period. Verse 26 again, it says, If any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue or doesn't control his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this man's religion is in vain. In vain means useless and worthless. Did you know there's two kinds of religion? One is man-made and phony, and that's not the religion I'm talking about. Because it's based on pride and a man's ability to obtain salvation by his own means. In other words, I'll get to heaven by being good enough. No, I don't care how good you are. You will not get to heaven without the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 That's religion. When you think you can do things on your own. You can do all kinds of good works, never miss church, read and listen to the word all the time. And yet if you can't control your tongue, your religion is in vain. And most of us, you know, we have this connotation about religion that, uh, well, I'm not into religion anyway. Religion stinks. Yes, I know it does. But James ain't talking about that type of religion. He's talking about a pure religion. He's talking about real religion. Verse 27 says, pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. That's pure religion. When you keep yourself unspotted from the world. In other words, you don't let the world contaminate you. Real religion that is pure and undefiled takes faith. I'll take that as an amen anytime. <laughs> in chapter 2, James tells us that faith without works is dead. And then in chapter 3, he gives us the primary action of faith. The word says if you can't control your tongue, you can control your body and your life. That's what the word says. And if this is true, and it is, then we should really watch what we say. Jesus said, if we believe what we say, we will have what we say. Yes. So how do you act out your faith? Number one way is by believing the right things and then saying what you believe. I'm the healed of the Lord. I'm whole. I'm strong. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. All my needs are met according to his riches and glory. I always have all sufficiency in all things and plenty left over to give to those that have not. I'm prospering. I will live and not die. Yes. By his stripes, I'm healed. These are the things that we want to establish in our hearts, and then we want to speak them. Amen. How could I be the righteousness of Christ? He made me that way. So now it's easy to have a good confession at church. But what do you say when you leave here? What do you say when the service really begins? The way to tell if someone's in faith or not is by what comes out of their mouth. Because Jesus said out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth stupid. You spend enough time with a person and sooner or later you'll find out what they believe because it's going to come out of their mouth. Yeah. And then in verse 24 of Mark 11, 23 and 24, he said, Therefore I say unto you what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. Here's a little sacred cow right here. Most people tie 23 and 24 together, but that's wrong, because 23 is talking about believing and saying, 24 is talking about praying, talking about prayer. 23 is talking about making degrees, 
making confessions, making faith statements, and calling things to be not as though they were. And 24 is praying and asking God for something. There's a difference. In verse 22, uh, Jesus said to have faith in God or the faith of God. And then he tells us by believing something in your heart and speaking with your mouth. That's how you have the faith of God. That's the spirit of faith that came from God. And if you're saying, if you're believing in your heart and saying something, you don't have to pray about it. Amen? Because you're already declaring it. But if you pray about something, then you're saying or your confession has to line up with what you're praying. You can't say one thing and pray another thing. We just nullify good prayers by bad confessions. You just can't pray in faith and then talk unbelief. Hallelujah. I'm coming to a close here. Here's something interesting. I'm going to close with this. In Mark 11, 23 and 24, there's six sayings. We're told to say something or something is being said six times. But then he tells us to believe twice. Six sayings, two believes. So where should the emphasis be? That little member called the tongue. Saying, I mean, believing is important, but saying is even more important than believing. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. What are you saying? Because the things you're saying is going to become faith. So if you're saying the word of God, you're building up faith on the inside. And then when you speak what you believe, it's going to have an impact. It's going to start to turn that ship. It's going to start turning you in the right direction. Amen. But the emphasis is on the saying. The emphasis is on the tongue. Would everybody in here at least agree with me that we need to work on our tongues a little bit? Yes. Including me. i got holes in my tongue where I bite it all the time. <laughs> I've got scars from biting my tongue hard sometimes. Keep from saying something I want to say and I know I shouldn't say it. I'm just human like you. There's times I want to say things. I want to let something rip. And I don't. I just bite my tongue. And I don't say it. Just let it die unborn. Because when you speak it, you're going to give birth to something. So you don't want, there's certain things you don't want to give birth to. Now, you can nullify a lot of things, and you can break bad confessions, and you can repent from them. But there's certain things that we say that will start spiritual laws in motion sometimes that can't be reversed. The biggest one that I can think of off the top of my head is like, uh, before I started going to a full gospel church where they preach healing and preach preach a real word. Uh, I always had a belief that some things in my life were hereditary and there was nothing I could do about them. And heart failure was one of them because heart failure was big in my family. You know, my, my grandparents, my dad, my mother, you know, it was big in my family. So I just automatically assumed I'm going to have the same thing. And then I heard this old country preacher tell me that, uh, I don't have to have, I don't have to carry out the curse that was in my family before now. That I can make a declaration and stop it right there. And instead of thinking that, hey, you know, my mom had a heart attack, my dad had a heart attack, I'm probably going to have a heart attack too. Stop saying that. Start saying the buck stops here. I don't care what my family history looked like. I don't care who had what. I'm not going to have it and I'm not going to pass it on to my children. I changed my confession, I changed what I was saying, and it changed what I was believing, and that ship started turning until it made a complete turn. I'm still here. 
Amen. I'm still here. And uh, I just refuse to accept that anymore. And I changed the course of my life by changing what I was believing and saying. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, we thank and praise you for the word. Tough crowd today, Lord, I got to admit. <laughs> but I preach the word. I preach the truth of the word. And I know every word of it is true, God. I know. I know what the word says. I know what Jesus himself told us about speaking and, and about believing and saying. And I know that he said we'll have what we say. So I take that very seriously. And I'm careful about the things we say. I pray that the audience that heard me today from this day forward is going to be careful with the things that they say. And especially with the things that they believe. And so we develop a, a belief system from the word of God so that when we do speak, it's going to be speaking in line with what the, what the word says and speaking in line with the things that God himself said. So we thank you and praise you that we have that power and ability to turn our lives around, to control our lives. And it's really not that hard to do. Just get our tongues under control. We thank you and praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Hallelujah. Glory, glory, glory. God is good. All the time. God is good. This concludes this message. Thank you for listening. We pray that it's been a blessing to you. For more information about FFC or its ministries, please contact the church office. God bless you, and remember, Jesus is Lord.